0: You would be turning with me to John chapter 20. Um, if I had known, I would have prepared a sermon on gluttony this morning. Uh, but Brother Rule didn't let me know in time that that was a stumble in his life. But uh, I'm not quite to the point yet where I can preach that and not be a hypocrite. Uh, I have, uh, as a few of you know, I have begun a little bit of a weight loss journey. So far I've lost around 7-8 pounds. Don't know where I've lost it but I hope I don't find it again. So uh, thank you brother. So anyway this morning I'm revisiting the very first sermon that I ever preached. It's entitled Recognizing Jesus and I took the framework of that message and and worked through it yesterday and prayed through it, and um, I hope that God will use it today powerfully to speak to us. Many of you will remember Jerry Clower. He was a great storyteller. He's since passed on, but could be, could be funny and be clean. That's a talent that not many people have anymore. But he told a story about a professor from a prestigious university who was hired by the Independent Oil Association of America to tour the country and make a speech. Part of the deal they gave him was a car and a chauffeur to take him from speaking engagement to speaking engagement. Stop after stop, month after month, the professor made his speech always to great acclamation. But one day the chauffeur complained that he was not being treated fairly. He had heard the professor's speech over and over, day after day, for months. Mile after mile he heard it. And he had memorized what this great professor had to say. And he fancied himself to be the better speech maker and thought it was very unfair that the professor was getting rich while he was just barely getting by on what he was being paid as a chauffeur. So the professor decides at their next stop that he would teach the chauffeur a lesson. The faculty and students at the next university had never seen this speaker, so they changed clothes and positions. The professor drove the car and the chauffeur got out and took the platform to speak. So he stood there, he made the professor's speech, and did he forevermore make a speech? Round after round of applause echoed through the auditorium. When the crowd quieted down, the president of the university said, well, we have just a few minutes left before the bell rings. Would anybody like to ask any questions? Well, about halfway back, there was this fellow in the auditorium, had horn-rimmed glasses, books under both arms, You you know the type. He stood up and said, professor, If a dinosaur died which roamed the earth two billion years ago and his carcass rotted and the earth's atmosphere built up layer after layer after layer to a depth of 5,986 feet and two billion years later a drill bit bores through the decayed carcass, what would the pH of the soil be that is contained in the drill bit and what would be the name of the stratosphere? Much like right now, you could have heard a pin drop. The chauffeur thinks for a moment, he walks back up to the microphone, he says, Son, in all my years traveling around this great country, I've been a lot of places in these past few months, I've been a lot of places making this speech, but I have never come across someone who would ask such an elementary question. I'm surprised that they would let someone who does not know any more than you do attend this university. Just to show you how simple an answer that is, my chauffeur's in the back, I'm gonna ask him to stand and answer your question. So you see, the students nor the faculty, either one, knew that this chauffeur on the stage was a fraud. He looked like, He sounded like and he spoke like the professor and had the same authority in his speech. But when he was tested, he turned out to be a fake. Every piece of currency that the United States Mint produces has certain unique characteristics. It's impossible to know all the different ways that a counterfeiter could try to come up with a fake piece of money. But if you know the genuineness of the real thing, if you know what the real article looks like, you can spot the counterfeit. Today, I want us to take a look here in John chapter 20 and learn how to recognize Jesus in a world full of noise and counterfeits. Beginning in verse 11, the scripture reads, but Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Let's pray Our Father we thank you for your word And I pray that today as we study your word That you would speak to me And that the message you have for us Would be given to those who are listening And that we would apply your message to our hearts In Jesus name, Amen Excuse me well, as we read these passages today, the first thing I want us to notice here in verses 11 through 13 that we must know where to look. Early that resurrection morning, Mary Magdalene found Jesus' tomb empty and she ran back to Peter and John. That's in the verses leading up to what we read here starting in 11. The three of them went back to the tomb finding the stone rolled away and the burial cloths in their proper place, but there was no body of Jesus. Peter and John both inspected the inside of the tomb. They went in and looked and then they turned and went back home. But Mary Magdalene, she stayed outside the tomb weeping. Now if you look at the original language here where it says that she was weeping outside the tomb. This is not a not a whimper. This is not a tear running down the cheek. This is a loud lamentation. Mary was heartbroken. She looked inside the tomb again I think halfway expecting maybe to see the Lord's body there this time but Instead, she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. Robert H. Mounts wrote that Jesus had died between two criminals, but his burial place was between two angels. Isn't that a neat parallel? The angels asked Mary why she was crying, to which they probably already knew the answer she was distraught that the body of her Lord was missing. Now you'll notice that Mary was not shocked or frightened by the appearance of the angels. Almost any other time we read in Scripture of someone having an encounter with an angel, the first thing they have to say is, fear not, because the people are terrified. But perhaps Mary had just been through so much over the weekend, from the Lord being crucified on Friday to coming and and finding his body gone on Sunday, that there was just not much else that would rattle her right now. Mary Magdalene, Peter, and John were all puzzled and disheartened because they couldn't find Jesus where they thought he should be. Now get that, that where where they thought he should be. But in Luke 9:22, Jesus clearly told the disciples that he would be crucified and rise again on the third day. Now the Lord had told the disciples where he wouldn't be. There could have been any number of places that Jesus would have been, but the one place that he was not going to be was in the tomb. And yet, that's where they looked. They had not yet understood. It's been several years ago now that um, we were at Walmart and my journey through the store that day was to locate charcoal and lighter fluid. I don't remember why I was looking for those things. I don't think it was for any nefarious purpose, but I needed charcoal and lighter fluid. Well, these super Walmarts, they, you know, have all these departments, they move everything every few weeks, and yeah, they do. And I did not know where to look. Now I had a pretty good idea, it might be in hardware, or it could be with the outdoor and camping supplies, or it could have even been in grocery if if they had a grilling display out, I didn't know. But I did know for sure I was not gonna find charcoal and lighter fluid in jewelry or electronics or the baby items. So I didn't bother looking there. So while I never did find what I was looking for and I'm not sure to this day if I ever have found it. I usually go to the dollar store now but at least when I went in I had an idea of where not to look. So I ask you where do we find Jesus today. Where do we look for him? Mark sixteen nineteen says that when the Lord ascended back to heaven, he sat down at the right hand of the Father. His physical body is in heaven. And he, at this very moment as I speak, he is sitting at the right hand of the Father God making intercession for us, his church. And he will continue to do so until the day he returns for us. Also, 1 Corinthians 6.19 says that the body of each believer is the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is in us. The doctrine of the Trinity can be difficult to wrap our heads around. But, to put it mildly, if the Holy Spirit indwells us, in essence, Jesus and dwells us also. He said he would never leave us or forsake us. So Christian brothers and sisters, once the spirit of God takes up residence within you, you can consistently find him there because he does not leave. Now the world can only recognize Jesus by what they see in us. We don't want to appear as as if our Lord is still dead, And in the tomb. If He is, we of all people are to be pitied. But our God, what was the movie? Our God is not dead. He's surely alive. Let His shine, let His light shine forth from you. Let people know He is living in you. That's how the world. Sees Jesus, how to know where to find him. Secondly, verses 14 through 15, not only must we know where to look, but we must know who we are looking for. Now, that might seem like a silly question to say, well, we're looking for Jesus, of course. But see, when Mary turned from the tomb and saw Jesus, she did not recognize him. We're not told in Scripture why she turned away from the angels to look at Jesus or in that direction. Uh, Scripture does not say that Jesus spoke to her at this point and it does not say that she heard someone in the garden walking behind her. So maybe Mary in her distress was leaving the tomb and the angels, uh, leaving the tomb and the angels behind to go continue searching for his body Maybe she was going to go sit down in the garden and continue weeping. Maybe she just decided to go home, that she had had all that she could emotionally take. Or maybe, just maybe, through her tears, she saw something in the faces of the angels. Did their eyes shift from Mary to the man, Jesus, in the garden? Did their posture change to one of reverence before the Lord of creation? Did their faces glow with his reflection? I like to think that, but we don't know for sure. But whatever the reason Mary was now facing the resurrected Lord, thinking he was the gardener. It was still early in the morning and her eyes were filled with tears. That could have been the reason why she did not recognize Jesus, but what's more likely is we read in several passages after the Lord's resurrection that he did not always reveal himself right away to people. You remember on the road to Damascus, it was not until the Lord departed before they said, Did our hearts not burn within us? We were walking with the Lord, but they did not recognize him before that. But either way, whatever the reason, she did not know who to look for because she was in the garden looking for a crucified body, not a risen Lord. So again, Mary is asked why she's crying. Then Jesus asked, notice not what, but whom, She was seeking. Mary wanted to know where her Lord's body had been moved. Now, it didn't matter that if if this had been the gardener and said, oh, I had to move him such and such place. It did not matter to her that she by herself probably could not have went and moved the Lord's body back to the tomb. But she so loved him and was so dedicated to Jesus that that little nuance didn't matter. She was going to ensure that her Lord had the proper burial. You see, Jesus had cast many demons out of Mary and from that day forward, she followed and served the Lord. I'm sorry, I'm trying to keep that to a minimum, but we are in the South and we have pollen. In 1871, a newspaper reporter named George Bennett was sent to Africa to search out a missionary who hadn't been heard from for a few days and was thought captured or possibly dead. After months of searching, Bennett's search team came across a village where, amongst a great number of the natives, stood an aged Englishman. Though seemingly out of place, the team knew they had found the man they were searching for. Dr. Livingston, I presume, uttered Bennett, trying to contain his excitement at finding this lost missionary. Now, if George Bennett and his team had been in England searching for Dr. Livingston, they probably would have not known him from anyone else. But even though no one had seen him in years, and he had aged since anyone had seen him, Bennett and his team knew immediately they had found the one they had been sent out to find. Now today we cannot physically see Jesus, but we can recognize him through the fruit of his people. Just as Dr. Livingston was out of place in the African village, certain characteristics are out of place in the life of a Christian. Now, I could take us to Galatians 5 and and speak about the fruit of the Spirit, but I'm not going to to do that. I encourage you to do that um, on your own. But instead of taking time to do that, I want to give you an example. Recently, we had a A man came by our church office who was seeking assistance. While he was in the office, uh, he was very, very humble, very courteous, and claimed that he had uh, become a Christian. So we spoke with him in the office, but once he left the building, unbeknownst to him, we could hear his loud, curse-filled phone conversation outside our door. Now, I'm not, I'm not his judge, only God is. But I will say that you won't find Jesus where there's rotten fruit. Thirdly, we must recognize the voice of the Lord. Verses 16 through 18. Mary Magdalene was sorrowed. The tomb of her Lord had been robbed. And now a stranger stood in front of her withholding information. But in an instant, in one single word, that changed. Mary. Her eyes were opened. Her sorrow was turned to joy. And she knew at that moment, without a doubt, that her redeemer lives. See, she went to the tomb that morning seeking a lifeless corpse in a tomb, but she encountered a living, breathing Lord. So how did that change with just a word? Well, John 10, 27, Jesus said, "'My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, "'and they follow me.'" So now think with me a moment. The person in the garden could have been anyone. As far as Mary knew, she didn't know this was Jesus. It could have been one of the disciples who knew her. It could have been a friend or an acquaintance. It could have even been another angel. Or it could have been Satan himself standing there. Anybody that knew her name was Mary could have been standing there saying, Mary. How did she know it was Jesus? She recognized his voice. Now we have the technology today to make video calls. That's something we couldn't do just a few years ago. Um, Back in the day, as they say, you had to pick up the phone and dial a number and just speak to somebody by voice over the telephone. Now, often when I call someone, they answer and I say, hello, and I then call them by name before I identify myself. I call that person by name because I recognize their voice. And a lot of times, if it's someone I know, they recognize my voice before I identify myself. If I called my son on the phone and he answered and I said, hi, this is mommy. He knows that's not his mother. Even if I say, hi, this is mommy. That's hard to do. He still would not believe that I was his mother on the phone calling him. A child so intimately knows the voice of their parent that any fake is immediately recognized. So do you always recognize the voice of Jesus because you intimately know his voice as being his child? It's astonishing how much noise is in the world today. It's not unusual to hear people claiming to be Jesus, to have received a special Revelation from Jesus, or presenting alternative ways to God, or even making compelling arguments, attempting to disprove the Bible. Notice I said attempting, they never do. Most of that noise is easy to squelch out. But if you ever struggle discerning the truth of what you're hearing, compare that to what the Bible says. In fact, I encourage you to take what I've said today and what I will say, study for yourself, and see if what I'm telling you is right. That's what we're called to do, is to study and know what God is saying to us. God will never say anything contrary or in addition to what he has already said. If it's not biblical, it's not of God. Let me say that again. If it's not biblical, it is not of God. Through prayer and Bible study, it will become easier over time to discern the voice of the Lord. Now Christians here today, you know the voice of Jesus because his is the voice that called you to himself. But maybe you haven't heard it in a while. Sometimes our spiritual ears get stopped up. You know, we've been in a study right now, in Sunday school, and we see that God through the entire Old Testament prophets repeatedly told his people, return to me and I will return to you. That is his his plea to us today if we have drifted from him. Return to him, and he will return to you. Just as a side note of that, we don't have the privilege to say, God, this is what I'm going to do, bless it. No, we have the responsibility to say, God, what is it that you want me to do so that it will be blessed? That is God returning to us. But in the day of the prophets, the religious crowd persecuted them and they turned a deaf ear to God. We find that hearing is simple, but listening requires obedience. Now, if you're here today and you have never accepted our Lord's free gift of salvation, you may be hearing his voice for the first time. Or maybe you've heard it before and just haven't responded. His is the voice that is saying, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Maybe this is a decision you've been wrestling with for a while. And I ask you, won't you surrender to him today? At the sound of of his voice, Mary Magdalene worshiped Jesus and went back and told the good news. At the very least today, if you are a Christian, if you are following him as you should, will you at the very least commit to do the very same, to worship him and to spread the good news? Let's pray and then we'll go into our time of invitation. Our Father God, we thank you for the message today Pray that we would seek you in all things that we say and do, that in all of our endeavors, God, that we would do what is pleasing to you, that we would recognize where you're working so that we may join you in your work, that we may hear your voice and see you in one another's lives as we work together for your kingdom. While if there's anyone here today or anyone listening or watching, who does not know you, who is not a Christian. Father, I pray that today would be the day that they would surrender to your call. Father, we love you and thank you in all that you've done. In Jesus' name, amen.